Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Welcome, Kentucky Changers. We're glad you're here this week, and we hope and pray the weather will cooperate, although today it's not. And so as I told someone earlier, you know we've got bad weather out there. We've got food in the building. You're not in a hurry, right? (laughs) Just wanted to make sure you were breathing and everything was good. But uh, we're going to be in the Psalms today. I've been doing a series called Playlist, Psalms About Seeking God. And so we've been looking at individual psalms that help us seek the Lord. Um, That's what I like about Playlist is many times we like to listen to things while we're doing whatever we're doing. And the psalms are great. They're songs, they're prayers, and they give us wisdom. They teach us how to talk to God and how to... Uh, develop our prayer life, and so we'll be uh, looking at Psalm 42 and 43 today. You're going to get two for the price of one. I believe it was St. John of the Cross in the 16th century, he was a monk, that coined the phrase, the dark night of the soul. That's such a powerful phrase, isn't it? Have you ever felt like you were going through a season or a time where you were just dry and things were hard and it was tough and you could say, man, I really feel like I'm going through a dark night of the soul. You know, that can happen to God's people. It can happen to people that love the Lord, that live by faith, not by sight. And uh, I know even my experience, some of you, uh, some of you know my testimony, I, I grew up in an alcoholic home and by the time I went to college, I had a lot of anger inside of me. And so when the Lord saved me, uh, not long after I got saved and got the joy of the Lord, I went through a very deep, dark depression. And I didn't know then, but looking back on it now, I think what God was doing is He was dealing with my heart. He was getting all the uh, stuff out, and He was putting His Spirit and His love in, and He was healing me and helping me. But you know, things like that you don't see when you're in it, do you? And uh, today I want to talk about what happens when you feel like you're going through a dark night of the soul. And um, and Psalm 42 talks about the deer and, and how it longs for flowing streams. And he says, I thirst for God. And so the question I want to ask you is, when's the last time you were thirsty? You know, I've got... Uh, Teenagers in my house that love to eat potato chips and tortilla chips. And if you eat enough chips with all that salt, what are you going to do? You're going to get thirsty. Well, you and I live in a world where people are hungry for God and they're thirsty for God. But here's the thing. Many times they don't realize it. They're, they're looking for all the, all the things of this world that the world has to offer and nothing really satisfies. And uh, that's where this psalm starts in Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? And you know, when you, we sing the song all ago as a deer, you know, pants for water, longs for water, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. And 
you know, you can go to a Christian bookstore and if you were to find a picture, it would be so beautiful, exquisite, and elegant. And that's not what this picture is in the Scriptures. Talk to your hunters, okay? Talk to your hunters. You know, we have this cute little picture of, you know, if your dog gets excited and runs around the house too many times, you know, he's got his tongue hanging out, you know, and you're like, oh, that's cute, right? That's not what we're talking about. When a, when a deer is panning for water, it's been on the run. Perhaps there's dogs or, or some kind of predator that's chasing it and it's running and it's running and it's running and it's tired. And, and its throat is dry, and its tongue is hanging out, and it's bleeding, and he's making noises, and he's desperate. That's the picture I want you to get when you see as a deer longs for flowing streams. So I long for you. You know, God should be our first priority in life, but many times he's our last resort. You think about that. You know, years ago when 9-11 happened, everybody came to church, ah, and then it kind of wore off. You know, many times when something happens in our life that shakes us, whenever something happens to us, are we willing to go to God? Do we thirst for God? Do we long for God? Are we looking for God? Are we desperate? Are we to the point of like a deer that's longing for streams of water and we say, oh God, I need you. And we cry out to Him. That's where this psalm starts. But I want you to see who He's crying out for. He says in verse 2, I thirst for God, the living God. And as I was looking at that this week, I just couldn't rush over that. Because see, in our culture today, we throw out the word God and it means whatever you want it to mean. But when the psalm says, I thirst for God, the living God, what does that mean? Well, I want you, if you're taking notes, just scratch down these uh, Scripture references. You can look at them later. But I went and looked up, when's the first time in the Bible that God is referred to as a living God? And it is in Deuteronomy chapter 5 when God speaks to Moses, but He invites the people and He speaks to all of them. And it overwhelms the nation of Israel. There in Deuteronomy 5, 26, it says, For who out of all mankind has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the fire as we have and lived? And, and if you read the rest of that passage, they basically say, uh, Moses, why don't you talk to God? And then you can tell us what He said. Because they were so overwhelmed by this majestic moment that they just kind of backed up and pushed away a little bit. They, they acknowledged that God was a living God. Now, why is that unique? Why is that significant? Because in a world where everybody had idols, little gods with little g that they worshipped, gods of wood and stone and those of their own imagination, they were fake gods. They weren't alive at all. They were as dead as a doornail. They could do nothing. But here is a God that is a living God that speaks from the fire. This is a God that is a living God and a living Lord. In Joshua chapter 3, the next time the living God is mentioned, uh, it is right before God leads Joshua and the men into across the Jordan into the promised land. And He says in Joshua 3 verse 10, 
He says, you will know that the living God is among you and that He will certainly dispossess before you all of these nations when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. In other words, you're going to know that the living God is with you when He splits the Jordan River and goes before you and He is with you. That's when you're going to know. We have a living God. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David was speaking to the man before him. And you remember the, uh, remember the David and Goliath story? You know the story, David and Goliath, where, where David, a shepherd boy, takes a sling and a stone and hits that giant and then kills him? Everybody loves that story, right? Well, I don't want you to miss a significant factor in that story that we just dismiss. Every day, the, the valley... Uh, there, were t- the, there was like a valley, and on one side of the mountain, here is uh, the nation of Israel, and the other side is the nation of Philistines. And every day, Goliath would strut out there to be seen by them, and he would, he would curse their God and their people, and he'd say, challenge me, send one person to fight me. And uh, one day, David shows up to see how the army's doing. And here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26, David spoke to the men who were standing with him, He says, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Did you catch that? David is seeing what this giant of a man is doing and he says, who's going to deal with this man who's defying the armies of the living God? Not a little God, not a fake God, not an idol, but the living God. Well, they shuffle David on to see the king. And he sees King Saul. And King Saul sizes him up and says, You're a kid. You really want to do this? You really want to go before this giant? And uh, finally, David says this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 36. He says, Your servant has killed lions and bears This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. You want to know why David beat Goliath that day? Because he served a living God. And he wanted the whole world to know that his God was alive. And that's exactly what happened that day. Jeremiah the prophet, he says, In Jeremiah 10.10, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and eternal King. The earth quakes at His wrath and the nations cannot endure His rage. That's how powerful this living God is. Let me give you a couple more real quick on this living God. You know the story about Daniel in the lion's den? Remember that story? A great story you learn in Sunday school as a kid. And that night, the king, you know, was worried about Daniel. And the very next morning, the light of day, he runs to uh, the place to see if Daniel is all right. And you know what the king says to Daniel after spending the night in the lion's den? Daniel 6.20, when the king reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. How about that? Servant of the living God. He says, 
Has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? And of course the answer was yes. And six verses later in Daniel 6.26, the king issues a decree throughout his whole dominion that people must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for He is the living God, and He endures forever, and His kingdom will never be destroyed, and His dominion has no end. That's the kind of God we serve. He is a living God. No wonder it was powerful when you fast forward to the New Testament and one day Jesus is with His disciples in Caesarea Philippi and He says, hey, who do other people say I am? Well, they say this and they say this and they say that. But who do you say I am? And Peter says in Matthew 16, 16, You are the Messiah, okay, the Son of the living God. Isn't that good? And now you know what the Bible says about the living God. So when Psalm 42 comes up, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you. And it says that I thirst for God, the living God. I've seen what He can do in life. And that's who I need, and that's who I'm calling on, and that's who I'm appealing to, and that's who I'm praying to, the living God. And I want you to remember that that living God, His name is Jesus. He said in His first sermon on the mount, Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It's good to know that when we look at this Psalm 42, The thirst for God, the thirst for the living God, if you truly seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him and you will be filled. Well, let's look on. I want us to look at this psalm. You see uh, that this uh, this psalm is about hanging on to hope. And as I read it, I want you to realize that we can hang on to hope despite your tears and fears. Look in Psalm 42, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, where is your God? Remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walk with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. You know, even when we have tears and fears, even when we cry ourselves to sleep at night, even when people say, hey, I know you're a Christian, but where's God? I don't see Him right now. What's going on in the world? Why isn't He doing something? Many times we ask that ourselves and we go, God, where are you? Why why is this happening? Why isn't somebody doing something? And yet, with faith, He says to Himself, Why is my soul dejected? Why am I in such turmoil? Put your hope in God. And he says, I'll still praise him. I'll still praise him, my Savior and my God. Not only are we to hang on to hope despite tears and fears, we're to hang on to hope despite the depth of our despair. Look in verse 6. I am deeply depressed. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send His faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. 
a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones, while all day long they say to me, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Notice that verse 11 and 5 are basically the same. And then, of course, in our English Bibles, uh, we, we don't notice this, but in the Hebrew manuscripts, many of them put Psalm 42 and 43 together. And so I want to read uh, the short Psalm of Psalm 43 and say we are to hang on to hope despite injustice. He says in 43 verse 1, Vindicate me, O God, and champion my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from the deceitful and unjust person. For you are the God of my refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Then I will come to the altar of God, to God, uh, my greatest joy. I will praise Him with a lyre. God, my God, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him. My Savior and my God. You can see where verse 5 is like verse 11 and 5 of Psalm 42. So they really do go together. So my question to you is this. How do we put hope in God? That's what it's all about. At the end of the day, we can process what's going on. We can be overwhelmed and wonder, God, where are you at? What are you doing? But as a person that trusts God and believes God, I can say, you know what? I'm still going to praise Him. I'm still going to praise Him. He's my God and my Savior. I remember a few years ago when that song come, come out by Casting Crowns, Praise You in the Storm. And you know what? It got really, got really real for us. We just started singing it at our church where we were in Tennessee, uh, Devon. And a, uh, a young man died of uh, brain cancer. And yet we all came together. And losing one of our own so young, And we could say, Lord, we're going to praise you in the storm. We don't understand. We don't know why. Frankly, it stinks. But we're going to praise you in the storm. And you know, that's what faith really is. It's not trusting God when everything's great. It's being able to trust God and praise God when everything's not. And that's what hope really is. That's That's what makes hope hope. And so how do you put your hope in God. Well, based on what we've read here, I would say, number one, remember your experiences with God. Notice again the refrain that was mentioned three times. The first time in first verse 5 of Psalm 42, he says, Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. If we're going to put our hope in God, we've got to remember our experiences with Him. And the psalmist here says, Lord, You are my Savior and You are my God. He knew the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. There was a point in his life where the Lord had saved him and changed him. And he never got over it. He was never the same. And as a result, it changed him. And he says, you know, I know now that I can go to God. That's why I'm thirsty for God. Nothing else satisfies. He alone is the living God. He brought me from death to life. 
from darkness to light, and now He saved me and He's changed me, and now I know that there is a God in heaven, and I know that He lives inside of me, and so I have this experience with God that that defines who I am, and it sticks with me, and now I realize that if I'm going to put hope in God, I go back to that moment. I go back to that experience. I go back to that anchor and say there was a time when He came into my life. There was a time that He came into my life. He saved me. He changed me. And quite frankly, He satisfied me. He is the living bread. He is the living water. He is the one that gives hope to my life and to my soul. And that's what the psalmist wants us to know. There in verse 3, or excuse me, 4, he says, I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walk with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. In other words, he goes back into his mind to better times and better days. He goes back to where it was his custom and it was his habit to go to the house of God and worship. And as they were going there, they were singing and praising God. They couldn't wait to come to the house of God. They couldn't wait to worship. They couldn't wait to gather in His name with His people. And so if you're going to put your hope in God, remember your experiences with Him. Go back to that. Hang on to that and say, I know I can trust God for that because I trusted God with this. I know that I can live by faith now because I know what He's done since I believed Him and trust Him. And so remember your experience with God. Danny and I had a, uh, a roommate in college. Remember Brian made his list? One day he says, guys, I've been thinking about answered prayers. And God kind of convicted me. I thought I would make a list of every time I've ever prayed a prayer that I can remember God answering. And do you remember how long that list was? It was long, wasn't it? 70, 80, I don't know. It was up there. But he made this detailed list of all the times that he had prayed and God answered his prayers. And he says it was one of the best faith-building experiences he ever did because it was a tangible reminder for him to go, you know what? When I prayed and asked God to do this, He answered it. When I prayed for so-and-so, God did something. When I did this, God did something. And it just built his it built up his faith because he said, you know, I serve a living God. I, I believe in this living God. He is alive. He saves me. He's changed me. He, he walks with me. He, he's at work in my life. He's at work around me and through me. And so now I look at this list and go, oh yeah, God's been up to something for a long time. And, and now I get to remind myself, you have to remember these things. And so the second thing I want to tell you is, if you're going to put your hope in God, remember His provisions. Remember His provisions. There in Psalm 42, verse 8, it says, The Lord will send His faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. Now, I love that verse. Let me tell you why. Go back to harder days in the nation of Israel. Remember when God delivered them from slavery in Egypt and they come out of Egypt with a mighty hand. They cross the Red Sea and um, God begins to lead them. And He leads them by a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. There was a tangible, physical, manifest presence of God by day and by night. And they knew that God was with them no matter what. He was there to protect them. He was there to provide for them. When they got hungry, He gave them manna. When they got thirsty, uh, He gave them water. I mean, He protected them from the Egyptians. He provided for 
their, their needs. He did all of these things. Well, that was then, but even now the psalmist can say, Lord, you send your faithful love by day. Like every day, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not reminded of how much God loves me. I love that verse in Romans where it says there's nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's not, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. And so every single day I'm reminded that His loving kindness and mercy is fresh every morning. And so God loves me by day and every day I'm reminded of that. But then His song is with me in the night. And I want to tell you something. There's been times in my life where I've clung to that promise and that verse. When you go through a dark night of the soul, when you're wrestling with stuff in your life and you just really don't know how it's going to shake out and you can't figure things out and you're wondering, where is God? He'll give you a song in the night. There's been times in my life where I want to cry out to God and I remember that verse in Romans about how the Holy Spirit, you know, teaches us how to pray, even when we don't know how to pray there in Romans 8. And so you come before God and you, and you cry out to Him and you want to tell Him everything, but He already knows. And so you're like, oh God, read my heart. Lord, take, take this burden, take this, this issue, take this problem. Lord, have your will and your way in it. And, and you know what he'll do? He may not change the situation. He may not change the circumstance. But I can tell you this. He will give you a song in the night. There's been times, there's been seasons in my life where I was walking by faith, not by sight. And I just didn't understand what I'm supposed to do. And why is this happening? And why is that happening? And God would give me a Bible verse. Or he would give me a song. And that would get me through that season. That would get me through that situation. And I would learn to trust Him. And it became a prayer. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, when I look around, Lord, you send your faithful love by day. You give a song for the night. And that's a prayer to the God of my life. And I want to tell you, there's been times that God has given me a song. Years ago, I, I remember... Um, we were going through a time of transition and there was this song by John Waller called While We're Waiting. I think it was one of the songs to the, uh, the soundtrack to Fireproof Movie. You remember it, right, Danny? And uh, I remember that became a song for a season of my life because I was like, God, I'm waiting for you to show me what to do. God, I need to know what you want me to do. And he gave me that song, While I'm Waiting, I Will Serve You. While I'm Waiting, you, I Will Be Faithful. While I'm Waiting... And that song became a prayer to the God of my life. You, I want you to be encouraged this morning because you and I sometimes go through situations and we wish they would change. We wish we could do something different and we get overwhelmed and we have to remind ourselves that God is still God. I will still praise Him. He is my God. He is my Savior. And so I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to remember my experiences with Him and I'm going to remember His provisions. And the third thing is to rejoice in God's promises. Look, if you will, in Psalm 43. Notice the urgency of this prayer. He says, vindicate me, God. Champion my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from the deceitful, unjust person. For you are the God of my refuge. Now, here is the psalmist 
He feels like he's pinned down and he's boxed in a corner. And he's saying, God, you vindicate me. Lord, you rescued me. Lord, you are my refuge. Lord, you are the one I run to. You are the one I cling to. I don't understand why this is happening, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to depend on you. And so he's appealing to God's promises because he's made God his refuge. And you and I can do the same. We can seek God to 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 rescue us, to vindicate us, to fight on our behalf, and we put our total trust in Him. And He deals with the issues. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of enemies' oppression? He still doesn't have answers. So He prays, Lord, send Your light. Send Your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to Your holy mountain, to Your dwelling place, and then I'll come to the altar of God, to God, my greatest joy, and I'll praise You. My God, send your light and your truth. That's a good thing to ask God for, isn't it? Lord, send your light and send your truth. And then for the third time in these two Psalms, in verse 5, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. When you and I put our hope in the Lord, we have to talk out our faith. We have to talk to the Lord about our faith and say, okay, Lord, I don't get why this is happening. I I can't change it, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to praise you. And that's what faith is all about. That's what hope is all about. But I want to share one last thing before we leave this psalm. Because this psalm has a picture of someone that's desperate for God. They're thirsting for God, and they almost feel abandoned by God because they say more than once, where is God? When people come to me and say, hey, where is your God? And it reminded me of something. Or should I say it reminded me of someone? And that is Jesus. When you read the the Gospels in the New Testament, As Jesus was on that cross, he said, I'm thirsty. And then as he hung on that cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus knows what it's like to be desperate and to be thirsty. Jesus knows what it's like to say, Where is God? What's going on? I don't understand. But I will still trust him. I will still trust him. And he did. And so today, let's look to the Lord. And I'm reminded of one last passage in John 7 when Jesus said this. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, he said. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. And John says, he says this about the Spirit, because those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. God answers our thirst. When we come to the foot of the cross, when we cry out to Jesus and ask Him to save us,
He gives us the precious Holy Spirit. And now we have the well of salvation in our life. And from that well flows the Holy Spirit, which is streams of living water. And that well will never run dry. And that's why Jesus said when he gives you the Holy Spirit, he will be with you and he will be in you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. So today, I want to ask you this. When's the last time you've been thirsty for God? There's a lot of things today in the world that are substitutes. But there's only one living God. And once you've been to Him, He will quench your thirst. He will satisfy you. Nothing else even comes close. And you, as a person of faith, can say, I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand why this is happening. We live in a fallen world where there's a lot of things aren't right and they're not fair. But God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm still going to praise you. You know why? Because you are my God and you are my Savior. So I want to ask you this morning, can you say that God is your Savior? Can you say that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is your Savior? Amen. Amen. He came, didn't He? He lived on this earth. He lived the life that you and I should have lived, and He died the death that we deserved. We should have been on that cross, not Him. He died in our place. And He offers the gift. It's a gift of eternal life, of salvation through Him, if we'll just come trust and follow Jesus. So today I want to ask you, if you've never took that step to turn from your sin and trust Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you in a few moments, we're going to do that in the invitation. And I want to encourage all of you as believers to resolve today that even though I might be desperate, and even though I'm going through situations I don't understand and can't control, and even though people might say, hey, where is your God? I want you to draw from that experience you've had with Jesus Christ. I want you to remember all the times he's provided for you. And I want you to be able to say, I will still trust him. My God and my Savior. And live out that hope before a watching world. And then when they ask you, like Peter said, to give a reason for the hope that you have, do it with gentleness and respect. And just say, I serve a living God. I serve a living God who overcame death, hell, and the grave. He sent His Son into this world. He lived a sinless life. And He is the spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now He's offering that gift to you and to me. So I want to ask you this morning to pray about that as we have a time of, of invitation. Would you please stand, musicians and ushers, if you'll come. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song and we're going to have a time of invitation. And also we have these uh, next step cards. Um, If you haven't filled one out, we'd love to know that you're here if you're new. And also if you've got a prayer request, you can share that with us. And if you just simply want to indicate that you're ready for the next step in your walk with Christ, you can do that too and just put it in the offering as it comes by here in a few minutes. But whatever God wants you to do, I pray that you'll do that. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you for this time that we can come before you. Father, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart. 
Father, have your will and your way in this service and in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. As the music plays, as the ushers uh, collect those, I just want to ask you this morning to think about what God wants you to do. We've sought God through praise and worship. We've heard Him speak through His Word. And now He's calling you and I to respond. What does God want you to do? Do you thirst for Him? Do you long for Him? When we realize that we need God, then we know what we need to do. We need to come to Him just as we are and say, Lord, have your will and your way in my life. And He'll come, He'll change you, and He'll save you. It happened when I was 17. Best thing I ever did. What about you today? What does God want you to do? Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.